just talking about shouting. I'm not just talking about cheering. Do you really believe that our God reigns and his name is Jesus in this nightclub tonight? Come on, somebody. Well, whether you believe it or not, God believes it. And so do the angels and so do your problems and so do the demons. You say you believe in God? Well, good. So do the demons and they shudder at his name. The Bible says that the name of Jesus, because God made himself obedient to the cross, even death upon the cross. We just put our logo on this cross, but there was a one who hung on this cross. It wasn't the fearless logo. It was the fearless one. And his name was Jesus. And the Bible says because he made himself obedient, even obedient to death on the cross, that God gave his son Jesus the highest name. Philippians 2, 9 and 10, that at the name of Jesus, that every knee should bow, not does bow, but should bow uh, at the name of Jesus, and every tongue should confess, not that every tongue did just confess, but every tongue should confess, and, and, and it actually takes place on three realms, in heaven, on earth, and under earth. When we just said the name when we just lifted the name Jesus higher, then the Bible says that the angels, your problems, and the demons had to just bow at the name of Jesus. And then they confessed that he is Lord. You see, uh, if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. Jesus is coming into the town and the people are worshiping him one minute and they're crying, crucify him the next. But those people around, the religious folks tried to get the crazies to stop praising him. They said, tone it down for a little bit because he doesn't need all that. And Jesus looked at him and said, you can cause these ones to stop praising. But if they don't praise, the rocks will cry out in their place. And as we know today, the sun sh shone forth on the earth. It dawned and it did because it is praising God. Tonight, we know the moon is going to glow from the sun on the other side of the earth because it is praising God. We know that the birds of the air are flying in praise to our God. And we are here to do the same thing in this nightclub in downtown LA. And we are going to praise our God more radical than they praise God's in this room on Friday and Saturday night. And I don't know if you realize you are on the dance floor. So on this dance floor, whether you do or not, I'm going to lift God higher in this room. And I'm not going to lift him higher because I'm on a stage but because it is because of him that I can even stand on this stage that I will lift him higher. If I boast in anything, I'm not going to boast in who I am. I'm going to boast in who he is. Yeah. He's the beginning 
and he's the end. He's the first and he's the last. He's the alpha and he's the omega. He's, he's the author of all creation. He's the finish and the start all at the same time. He needs no board of directors. He has to ask no one for their opinion. He's God all by himself, does not need us to praise him. We need to praise him because of who he is, is downloaded into who we are I love that he's the author and the finisher. And we have a choice today to either lift our problems high or lift him high. It says this in James chapter one, uh, verse number one or two, verse number two, it says this. It says, dear brothers, oh, thank you. I have another Bible up here, good. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way. Has anybody ever had trouble in here? <laughs> Y'all ain't going to be real with me tonight, huh? Uh, anybody ever had trouble in here? You ever had some, some stuff, just some junk, just some, uh, my daughter's raising her hand on the front row, come on, you ever just, she has some troubles, and, and, and we all have had trouble, and anybody just had some trouble, you just had uh, some stuff that we may not be able to talk about in church, you look nice, you smell nice, uh, but you, you, you came through some stuff to get here, you fought through uh, some hell and high water maybe to be here tonight. Dear brothers and sisters, doesn't leave the brothers out. I know the sisters know how to praise in this room, but we're also looking for some brothers that need to know how to praise in some trouble. When trouble comes your way, consider it huh, a pain in the rear end. No, it doesn't say that. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, I, I didn't realize I've been growing. I, I've been growing. I've, I've been going through some tests and some trials, and I've been growing because I've been tested. And if your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he'll give it to you. He'll not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Then it says, do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled, or another version says, a double-minded man. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, get rid of one of those minds. <laughs> Somebody touch your neighbor and say, you better lose that mind. A person with divided loyalty or a double-minded man is unstable or unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything. Wow. This word, double-minded uh, man, is actually two-breathed soul. 
And that's a weird uh, thing. I just thought, what does it mean to be double-minded? I actually, and the picture that, that they, they would have is that there are two souls in one man. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That there are two souls. Whenever there are two uh, souls breathe into one man, it's like a two-headed person. That while they're trying to go one way, there is another mind, will, and emotion pulling them another way. It says that this man should not expect to receive anything from God. They are unstable in everything they do. Mm. That once God breathes into me, I cannot no longer receive the breaths of others that have breathed their words and their death into me, that I literally have to cut off what has been so I can move into what's now. God allows trials, God allows storms so that we can be tested in our faith so that we could persevere through the storm and end up on the other side victorious in Christ Jesus. And some of you are in a storm right now. Some of my favorite storms in the Bible is the storm that the disciples ended up in when Peter called to Jesus on the water and said, Lord, if it's you, be lifted higher. Lord, if it's you, the water and the storm actually don't matter anymore. Lord, if it's you, call to me in this place I'm at and I will step out on what I can't. You see, I came to tell you this, that your storm and your problem is just an opportunity for God to show how bad he is. The storm is just a testing ground so those that are still trapped in the boat can see how good God's word is and how good God is to his word. Wow, this word is good. And it's so good that not even this storm can shut it out. And it's so good that it bypasses the storm and gives me the ability to step out on what I cannot right now into where he's called me. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, let's lift him higher. You see, I'm calling you to walk on stuff you used to sink on, to stand on stuff that others that are back in the boat are looking at you like you're crazy. To walk where it makes no sense. To walk where you don't see how. See, God's call will always call you out into the middle of the storm. And in the middle of the moment, you look like a crazy person. But all you are doing is giving God an opportunity to show himself for who he is. That his name is higher than any storm. All of a sudden, make some Peters excited that are sitting in the boat in the middle of a storm while all their other doubters are right next to you saying, we're going to die in this storm. But although you've heard the call from God that in this storm, this will pass too, and you can find great joy where you're at, 
And you step out and you're doing it and it doesn't make sense. You ever, you ever done something with God on the call of God and you're walking, but it doesn't make sense? I mean, you look underneath you and you shouldn't be able to be where you're at, but you are because the call of God has gone forth and given you stability where you, sh- you should have lost your mind in the middle of this storm. You should have given up already. You should have backed down already, but somehow, some way, you're doing what you can. And there's always this temptation to fluctuate back and forth between looking at what's happening and looking at him. And what I want to pray in my crisis is, is courage to keep my eyes on him and off of what I shouldn't be able to do. Because as soon as God starts preaching, come to me on the water, the devil starts preaching, what if? What if you go crazy? What if it doesn't work out? What if you lift him higher and you end up back where you're at? What if you step into marriage and it doesn't work out? What if you you start dating again and this one crushes your heart as well? What if your kids go crazy? What if you step out and you look like an idiot in the middle of the waves? What if, what if, what if, and I came to serve notice on the devil tonight that what if... What if it's not a good message anymore? Because my Jesus is going to call me into dangerous places to see dangerous worlds changed. And I've been called to be a fearless planet shaker. And I'm stepping out where I shouldn't be able to step out. Do I have anyone in this room ready to get out of the boat in the middle of their storm? One of my other favorite storms is a storm that Paul was in. In Acts chapter 27 verse number 18. It says this, 27, verse number 18. I'm skipping down just a little bit. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they begin to throw the cargo overboard. <laughs> you, ever, you ever gotten such a storm? Leave that up for me. You ever gotten such a storm that you literally had to start just throwing dreams overboard, like things you thought you were bringing with you, all of a sudden, when you get in a storm, you know what happens in a storm? Things that you thought mattered kind of don't matter anymore. Uh, The first thing that a storm does is it gets you to lighten the load. Things that didn't need to go with you to where you're going, it kind of like gets a new perspective because if if, if I keep this on, I'm not going to make it for sure. And there are certain things in your life. See, this is why we have a call to get to shore. This is why God calls you to keep going because he knows that if he sends you into the storm, you will come to a place where you realize that all the stuff you thought you needed, you don't need anymore. I've found in my life there are many things that I've had to throw overboard. Security in a paycheck, threw that overboard. Security in just doctors alone, had to throw that overboard. Security in leaders that are under me and over me and around me, I had to throw that overboard. And I had to find that there was one thing that needed to stay in the ship, and his name was Jesus. But sometimes a storm is sent, so you will take Uh, you will take inventory of what's left in the ship because there are certain things that you may not need to get to where you're going. He said they begin to throw cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. With their own hands, they did it. 
neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days. Another version says the sun and the stars were blacked out in this storm. And the storm continued to rage. It says, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Verse 22, Paul says this, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. Touch your neighbor and say, keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Touch your neighbor and say, not one of you is going down in this storm. Only the ship will be destroyed. You're going to make it, but your stuff is not. You're going to make it, but what you thought you needed is going down in the sea that we're in. Don't worry. You're going to survive this, but not everything that you thought you needed is coming with you. The thing that you thought would get you there is actually not. Uh, there is another one that's going to get you there. Your talent is not going to get you there. Your ability is not going to get you there. There's going to be something that survives this storm, but it's not going to be the ship. The ship is going down, but touch your neighbor and say, you're going to make it. Paul said this because last night an angel of God, whose I am, I'm, I'm God's son, uh, who I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, huh. Paul, because you must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given your life, the lives of all who sail with you in this storm. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Then he says this, nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. <laughs> nevertheless, we're going to crash. You're going to make it, but nevertheless, hold on because we're going down. You're not going down. Not a hair on your head will be destroyed. The weapon will be formed, but it will not destroy you. God never promised that the storm won't come and the storm won't destroy. Maybe you might lose your house. Maybe you might lose your car. You might just lose your job. God did not promise those things. He promised that you will make it to where I called you to make it. Then it says this in Acts chapter 27, uh, verse number 33. I hope they can keep up with me up there. Just before dawn, Paul urged them to eat all, <laughs> all they could eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. Touch your neighbor and say, take some food. You see, I, I, I can tell that there is a group of people that has been through some things when I start pulling out the food. Because although you are in a storm, you have to take a moment to eat because you have been in such suspense about where God is taking you. Some of you haven't even been able to read your Bible or to pray. Ever been a moment where it was so crazy you couldn't even really pray like a real prayer? Paul says, hey, hold up a second. We're going to take a moment to eat. And in this moment, we're going to pause from the war. We're going to pause from the storm because we're not going to survive the storm if we don't take a moment to eat. He says the last 14 days, the storm has been ripping you apart. 
And he said, I want you to eat. Now it says this, now I urge you to take some food. You will need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took the bread. Now how creepy is this? You know what I'm saying? They're in the middle of a storm for 14 days, ripping them apart. And this dude, Paul, is sitting up in the middle because he has a vision from God that not one of the 257 people will be touched. And he says, we're going to eat. Now, can you imagine this in our modern day? You guys just got off a plane, planet, uh, Worth Dying For, Fearless Band, whatever your name is. I called you Planet Shakers first. <laughs> can you imagine the plane going down in the middle of a storm? And Ben gets up as the plane's going down. Everybody's yelling. He can barely stand. And he goes, huh, bust out the almonds that you got left over. Get the peanuts out. Get me some of that, give me some of that uh, fake cheese. And we're going to eat. Because, because we're all going to make it. The plane isn't going to make it. But everyone here, not a hair on your head will be touched. We can be in peace right now, even in the middle of chaos, because we have a word from our God. And now not only am I going to be safe, but you're going to be safe because I'm on this plane. This is what's happening. Paul says, we're going to just break bread. The storm is going crazy, ripping the boats to shreds. The, the sun has been blackened for 14 days. They're throwing up overboard. They have no hope of making. And Paul says, I got a dream. I had a vision from an angel, and that angel, because he's with me, you now are in good company, and now he's with you. And that angel, his name is Jesus, and he's going to lead us through this storm. He says this, he says, uh, all of a sudden it says uh, in verse 40, it says that uh, cutting loose the anchors, they left them at sea and in time untied the ropes and held the rudders. Verse number 42, the soldiers planned on killing the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away. Paul was a prisoner, by the way. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and keep him from carrying out their plan. So he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard and get to land first. The rest got there on planks of wood and pieces of ship. In this way, everyone reached the land safely. Verse tw chapter 28, verse 1. Once safely on shore, we found out that it was the island called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us, all because it was raining and cold. Paul, what a beast. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and suffered no ill effect. That dude is a beast. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their mind and said, he is a God. The storm rips their boat apart. Paul is not out of the will of God. 
He's in the will of God. He is on his journey preaching the gospel. In fact, he could have got out of it because they found nothing wrong in him. But he asked for another trial with Caesar so that he could preach the gospel to Caesar too. And he didn't care if he went there in chains or as a free man because the chains on the outside could not determine his freedom on the inside. Paul was on a journey. He was on a mission to preach to heads of state and government. He didn't take a no for an answer. People would say things like to him like, are you out of your mind? And he said, if I got to be out of my mind so you can get in your right mind, then let it be so. I will preach the gospel. It is what changed me and transformed me, and it is who I am. Paul was on the journey of God. He was chasing the mission of God, yet... He was in a storm. Yet, it was a storm that threatened everything he had. (laughs) But he had a call that was greater than the storm. The Bible says that he had a word. See, uh, just one word from God, just one touch, just one encounter will get you through things you didn't think you could get through. Just one word will help you step out into the water and cause water that you should sink on become something you can float on. Just one word, and Paul had a visitation, not just a word. The word became alive, and it said, Paul, I got you. I got your back. As long as you keep lifting me higher, I will elevate you. And nothing can touch you. But your stuff will be destroyed in this storm. It says that some of them swam to shore and some of them got through on a piece of wood. You ever, you ever got through life just on a piece of something? Just barely, just barely made it to shore. What you used to not care about all of a sudden is your only safety, your only life raft. It said that some of the men, they made it there just barely. Can you imagine after 14 days of their life being ripped apart, finally they touched land just barely. Some swam there in the storm and some floated on what was left of what they had. You ever just, you ever just, Used to have something, and now it's just destroyed, and you're just holding on to the little bit you got left. That little paycheck that used to be a lot, and now it's a little, and you're just barely making it on a little. Paul barely made it on a little, but he was called. He was in the will of God. This was not a storm to tell him he had missed something. This was a part of his journey. And then he gets to the land. Everything's going awesome. The, the natives show up, and uh, these, this is Malta. These, these are cannibals. These are people that will eat you. When they saw the fire going, I'm sure they're tapping their brother and say, I, I, just, I, I guess from the compass that we kind of ended up at Malta, and we could stay in this, this storm, or we could go to the land. I don't know if we're going to make it. I already see them building a fire. I bet it's going to be us roasted on the fire. And the Bible says, though, that it was unusual kindness, that, that, that when, then when you have God riding with you, that even your enemies will prepare a table before you, and even your enemies, even people that were meant to take you out, will actually build you a comfort in the middle of the storm. God will make your enemies serve you when you are walking out on the call of God. As they got to the storm, Paul was helping out. What a dude. 
what a, what a man, what a warrior, what a champion. I mean, it was because of him that they made it. You, you would have expected he would be sitting down while everyone's serving him. No, real leaders keep going. When the storm's raging, he was out cutting down wood, bringing it to the fire. And the Bible says as he brought the wood over to bring life, something jumped out of the wood and attached itself to him. It was a viper on the island of Malta. It was something deadly. He had made it through the storm, but it wasn't the storm that threatened to kill him. It was what was coming on the island after the storm. The word Malta means honey. It, it means, uh, it, it means uh, fruit. Uh, it was a picture of the promised land. When we, you would have heard Malta, they would have had flashbacks to the promised land. It will be a, a land flowing with milk and honey. The fruit are the size of our heads. The word Malta was a paradise, a, a beautiful island. And here Paul is, finally gets to paradise out of the storm. And it's the thing in paradise that almost kills him, not the storm. Sometimes we just start coasting and go, because there's no wind raging, because I'm sitting warm at the fire, everything's just going good. And it's in those times we get bit the hardest. Sitting around the fire, his enemies are preparing a table before him, and here comes a viper. Have you ever been bit by something that threatens to take you out, out of nowhere? Out of nowhere. There's no dream about this. The angel didn't take tell him he would make it through the island or the viper. It didn't say anything about this. The angel just said, you'll make it through the storm. But Paul didn't have a call to just make it to the island. He was called to minister to Caesar. And he knew that even if a viper bit him, there was a call greater in him. And this viper attaches itself to him. And it's crazy that God didn't allow the viper to kill him, but he did allow it to bite him in his destiny. Could have been anybody. Could have been the person that deserved it. But it bit Paul, trying to help, trying to walk out his destiny. Have you ever been bit by something because of the fire? It bit him because of the fire. It bit him because he got close to warmth. It bit him because it knew that its days were over. It bit him. Uh, can, I came to tell you this. Be careful getting next to the fire and not realizing that the devil does not want you next to the fire. And he's going to bite you when you get closest to finally finding community and family. And the snake bit him around the campfire. Now it's one thing to be bitten privately, but it's a whole nother thing to be bitten publicly. The whole camp is watching him. Have you ever had someone bite you or backbite you or backstab you or talk about you? Not just, it's one thing if they say it privately, but when they take your stuff Public, when you've been put on display publicly, when your stuff comes to a stage. And he was bitten publicly. And all of a sudden, God puts Paul's trouble on a stage. You know that private thing you're dealing with? You know the viper that you've been carrying privately in the wood? 
You know the viper that you've been carrying privately to this church. You know, you know the thing that you didn't even know was there, but you kind of know it was there, that sometimes it hides in places like this. And all of a sudden, Paul steps up to the stage, and the fire is there, and he's about to do what he was doing with the wood. And all of a sudden, this viper jumps out and attacks him publicly. Mm. And there's a reason why the viper didn't bite him in the forest. There's a reason why the viper didn't bite him in the woods because I asked Paul that. I said, can you tell me about this viper? God, can you tell me why it didn't bite him in the woods? Because uh, really vipers are territorial. So as soon as you step in its territory, it should have bit him there. But the point was not that the viper would bite him privately, but God planned for the viper to bite him publicly. God didn't want him to bite, be bitten in the bush because the viper biting Paul was not about Paul. The viper biting Paul was for the people of Malta that were about to experience revival and Paul had to be bitten publicly so that his faith could be seen and his God could be experienced. You see, they can't see your faith it's the substance of things hoped for. It is invisible. It cannot be seen. It is unseen until you come to a trial, until you come to a test, until the viper bites you and you don't die. The viper had to bite him publicly. It had to put it on display. He had to be on the stage, bitten, messed up. After the shipwreck, you've made it through the shipwreck, and now you're being bitten on the island. Any of us would look up at God and say, are you kidding me? But Paul huh, was a dead man walking. His life was no longer his own. Whatever you want to use this body for God, you use it. Bible says that the piper bit him publicly in the presence of others so that his faith would be put on public display and his God would be seen. Hmm. God is wanting to put your faith on public display in your job. That's why they're talking about you. God's wanting to put your faith on public display in your family. That's why they're turning on you. God's wanting to put your faith on public display. That's why the church, you have troubles in the church because you were called to be a leader in the church and to stand when no one else was standing. Hmm. You see, you didn't get bitten for you. Huh. You got bitten for them. And they can't see your faith till you get in trouble. But good thing we have a God that likes to show himself powerful in great trouble. In order to believe it, they have to see it in us. There are people in this room that you're still here. You're still standing. And God protected him in a radical place. God protected him through the storm and God protected him with the viper. God protects you from your enemies and God sometimes protects you from your friends. Uh. And sometimes God protects you from yourself. God protects you from the lies and he'll protect you from the truth. You see, everything they said about you isn't a lie. Everything they whispered about you isn't a lie because whenever the devil speaks, he speaks in half-truths. 
part of what they were saying was the truth. And in fact, when they looked at Paul, they said the storm didn't kill him, so justice has come to serve notice, and the viper has attached itself to him because he's a murderer. And guess what? He was. What they said about him was who he was. He deserved the viper to kill him, just like they said. You see, my God won't just protect me from the lies. He'll protect me from the truth of who I am and protect me in front of you and behind you. Paul was a murderer. He deserved to die right there. But thank God we serve the God of second chances. And I know you don't. You don't have any truth that's been spoken about you. I know it was only lies that bit you. I, I, know, I know we're going to play church like that. We're going to pretend like we got this all down and we got this all perfect. But I came to serve notice on the devil tonight. We are protected not just from the truth and the lies, but we are protected from the top to the bottom. And tonight we're going to lift our God higher because it is him who protects us. And what they said about you is who you are. But thank God, God didn't call you because of who you are. He called you because of who he is. And Christians try to act like we ain't guilty of anything. There's been a lot of times we didn't deserve for God to protect us. God to stand up for us. You should have lost your job because you were lazy. You, you should have, your, your, your family and your marriage did get split up because of your anger. But can I tell you this? The God that we serve is going to protect you in spite of you because he's not protecting you because you can earn it. He's protecting you because he is a father. And fathers know that sons mess up and daughters mess up. And he's got your back right here, right now in the middle of this storm. The snake bit him and it fastened itself to him. Now that is a bite. Have you ever been bitten like that? Where the thing that bit you promised that it would die taking you out? Have you ever had something bite you so deadly that it went all in? Snake fastened itself to him. Its fangs, it got locked jaw. Grabbing on to Saul, Paul. And the people that were standing around him were just looking at him. The snake hanging off him. Just waiting for him to die. Huh. You ever have people in your life just waiting for you to die? Just waiting for that thing to take you out? You know what's crazy? This was his greatest moment to have an audience ever. He had everyone's in the storm, they wouldn't listen to him. But when the snake threatened his life, all eyes were on Paul. When they talk about you, you have the greatest platform to keep your mouth shut. And the Bible says that it fastens themselves to it. But the most dangerous part of the snake was not that it bit Paul, was that its venom injected itself in Paul. 
You see, the most dangerous thing is not their bite or their cling or their lockjaw on your life. The most dangerous thing is if you allow their venom to get inside you. It's the venom, not the bite, that would have killed Paul. The snake bite would have gone away. But it's what they left you with. You see, venom, we don't have time, but I have a video. They, they took this snake and they put it on a jar and it's, it's biting the jar and they got its venom in a jar. And they took just a drop of its venom and they mixed it with blood. The reason why venom kills you is because it, it freezes your blood. It literally takes a liquid thing and makes it solid. When the venom gets into your veins, it creates it creates blockage in your arteries and your arteries begin to swell because you can no longer get blood to the places it needs to go. You see, what the, what the venom does in our life is it stops the movement and the flow of the blood in our life. It stops the life. When you receive their words into your life and you take it in you as it is you, it literally stops you dead in your tracks. What are you talking about? I'm talking about offense. I'm talking about holding on to what they said and what they did and what they meant. Are you still living with their regret? Are you still living with their wounds and their words? Because they've moved on. The snake has done its job and it's moved on. Its fangs are out. We can't see it hanging. But I want to ask you tonight, is the venom paralyzing who you've been called to be? And the venom of what they said you see here, God didn't just save him from the bite. He saved him from the venom. They're looking at him saying, with that amount of venom, you should drop dead any moment. And the Bible says that Paul looked at the snake and he realized, I'm still here. Why sit any longer when the venom has been canceled and God has given me a new blood infusion Why live with this snake attached to me? <laughs> so the Bible says Paul shook it off. He shook it off. He didn't shake it off anywhere. He shook it off into the fire. He shook it off into the fire. He shook it off into the fire. And the people around him that were watching him that said he's a murderer called him who he is. Looked at him. And the Bible says they changed their mind. And they said he's a god. From that moment, they believed Paul was a healer. They took him to the chief in their city who had fever and dysentery. And the Bible says that Paul prayed for him and he was healed. Then the Bible says all the people on the island brought their sick to Paul because they called him God Little G and they realized there was someone bigger than this dude that was looking out for him. And as Paul shook it off, what he was saying is I lift your name higher. I'm gonna lift your name higher than anything that's coming against me. I'm gonna lift your name higher than any. Touch your neighbor and say shake it off. Shake it off what they said. Shake it off what they did. They're still hanging on your life. There's still a fix to you. All you gotta do, son, is shake it off. Shake off what they did, what they didn't do. Shake off. The island is waiting 
for you to shake it off. The island is anticipating for you to shake it off. LA is waiting for you to shake off what that pastor said, for you to shake off that leader hurting you. Paul, your call is too big for you to die on this island. I didn't bring you through the storm for you to die by this bite. I didn't bring you. And sometimes it's a victory to say, devil, I'm still here. I should have died by that bite. That should have took me out. But greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And you could come at me with every angle. I'm shaking off. I'm shaking off all my anger. I dare you to stop being about their business and start being about the Father's business. Because Paul shook it off because he was saying, Ain't nobody got time for that. I don't have time to keep standing here with a snake on my arm. And snakes only bite because you've invaded their territory. Snakes only attach themselves to you because they're afraid of you. They're afraid that you showed up into territory that they call their own. See, if you're going to walk out your destiny, you're going to have things come against you. You're going to have people talk about you. It's easy to talk about someone who's doing things you should be doing. And he shook it off. He shook it off. He shook it off. What if tonight you stop living with all these snakes that are attached to you? And you said in front of the whole world, their venom is not going to destroy the flow of life in my life. Their venom is not going to paralyze me anymore. Their ven I'm moving on from here. I made it through the storm on just a piece of wood. I'm not going to let some little snake stop me. What an incredible sermon today by our very own Pastor Jeremy Johnson, talking about lifting God's name higher, past our circumstances, past our trials and everything that we go through, pressing on and carrying on straight through the storm. I just want to take a second and pray for everyone that was able to watch today. Jesus, I pray right now, God, that every single person that's watching and listening, God, that they would be blessed today, God, that they would be encouraged, God, that no matter what they go through, no matter what circumstances are in front of them, God, I pray that right now, God, they would begin to worship you, God, with all that they have, God, that we would lift your name higher, God, Lord, straight through the storms, straight through our trials and our tribulations, God. I pray that you would bless every single person that's watching today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching Fearless TV. Have a good one.